0: Hello there. How are you? I, for one, hope you're doing phenomenal. I'm your host, Jalen, and welcome back to Retrospection Connection, where we take a more critical look back at TV and movies that left their mark on us in a formative moment of our lives. Allow me to serve as your guide as we take a look back at today's chosen piece of media. In this installment of Retrospection Connection, I'm introduced to the fantastical world of the 2002 animated film Treasure Planet by one of my dearest old pals and resident high school math teacher, Zachary. Now I'm sure we're all thinking the same thing. How did I get to episode six of a retrospective podcast that primarily features quote unquote kids media without discussing a project from Disney? Your guess is as good as mine, but I figured better late than never. Together Zachary and I unpack the coming of age adventure tale, finding ourselves in the themes of parental relationships and charting our own life course. You know the drill by now. Eat, drink, be merry, do whatever you gotta do, as long as you listen. Oh yeah, and try to leave with something that you didn't come in with. Of course, follow Retrospection Connection on Instagram at Retrospection Connection, and email me at retrospectconnect2001 at gmail.com with shows that you'd like to hear discussed, or if you'd like to be featured yourself. Enjoy! Joined by a good old friend of mine, and I'm very excited to have him on and talking about this film that he's presented to me, a first time watch for me. So I am looking forward to unpacking some of these themes as well as their personal connection to it. Now, my good friend, would you like to introduce yourself as well as speak a little bit about our origin story together?
1: Awesome. Yeah. Hi to all the listeners. My name is Zachary. I met Jalen, I had the pleasure of meeting Jalen, I should say. We worked at orientation leaders at our college and yeah, we just kind of met there and I think we found that we were maybe kindred spirits in some aspects. We're from neighboring cities at a very large public university. So yeah, we just had a lot in common and we've been friends. We've been reconnecting lately and it's been great.
0: Yes, no, it's been absolutely amazing firstly, I just think it's so funny, the sheer amount of orientation leaders that I've had on this show. I promise everybody, I do know more people, but a lot of these people that I met at that time in my life are just so spectacular and insightful and have such good things to say. So yeah, I've had a lot on my show and I will have more. So just be aware of that. But you mentioned something that I really enjoy about our friendship, which is that I think we really are reconnecting at this point, Uh, four or five years after us initially meeting. I think it speaks to, yeah, just the connection that we have, that we're able to sort of come back to each other and and have a cool connection like we're having now. Sometimes things happen like that. You, You sort of get away from a friendship or whatever, and it doesn't have to be like there was any beef or anything bad happened. You naturally have your own journeys, and the hope is that you're able to Reconnect at some point later down the line. So, super glad that we have, and super excited for you to be here. So, thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been like bragging to all my friends, like, "Hey, I'm about to be on a podcast," and they're all like, "When are you going to be on our podcast? Their imaginary <laughs> podcast that doesn't exist." <laughs> it's um, like when you yeah. create
0: yours, I'll be yeah, on. Like, like that. If you
1: actually have something, then maybe it'll happen. But we'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, but yeah, help them manifest that. But. Yes, I knew I needed to have you on this podcast. And before we get into the actual like subject matter for the episode, the movie that we're talking about, Treasure Planet, I always like to ask my guests, what was your relationship to popular culture, popular media growing up? How would you describe that?
1: Hmm. In all honesty, I'd say that, ooh, maybe I can throw in some g- cool vocab words here. I had a solid connection at like primary source level. Like, we were—I think our household was a large consumer of like lots of pop media, uh, listening to a lot of music and talking about it amongst ourselves. But any like kind of secondary source, I think that's what you call it, where maybe listening to reviews or like what other people think about things—that we are a little bit more detached from. Like, it's very often that I'll talk with friends about some piece of media, whether a movie, TV show. And I like, I can recall what me and my family had to say about it. Like, we had all of these opinions and we thought that and this, but whole time, like the rest of the world was like, nah, that movie sucked. <laughs> and um, yeah, but me and my family, we enjoyed it and we talked about it amongst ourselves. But yeah, we just didn't really get into uh, whatever the rest of the world had to say about it as much. I guess for the listeners, be wary. I might come with a few unpopular opinions, uh, very niche things that I think are just normal. But um, yeah, that was kind of our relationship with uh, media growing up.
0: Well, first of all, unpopular opinions are very welcome here on Retrospection Connection. So don't worry, I got your back. If if you do say something <laughs> off color, well, it, I guess it depends on what you say. I, I can't defend everything. Mm-hmm. But something that I uh, that caught my attention with what you were saying was that you and your family sort of had your own opinions about media, but you were less receptive or exposed, I should say, to mm. other perspectives and opinions on the media that you were consuming. Mm. So the question that I have for you next is like, do you remember when you started to develop a critical consciousness for media, the stuff that you were consuming where it felt like, oh, OK, like, no, this is how I feel. And, and maybe you didn't share that same consensus with. Your friends or even your family, but you you started to develop your own opinions on things.
1: Definitely, yeah. I would definitely say it was sometime in high school. I can kind of somewhat vividly like recall times like maybe like freshman year of high school where like I felt like my opinion would just be drowned out and I like I had nothing to say to like defend my thoughts or anything. I'm like, I have no idea. Like I just like this. I can't tell you why. Versus like maybe junior year of high school, I'm like having more intellectual discussions about small details that maybe like grabbed me or i really latched onto with some piece of media versus arguably like understandably like a larger thing that i didn't like but i just didn't care about but this very small thing like oh that was really cool to me and like that's why i will ride for this movie or this tv show yeah so definitely sometime in high school i don't know if that's late or what <laughs> because I could be somewhat of a follower for a little while. I felt like in like middle school, like I was like, oh, if everyone's saying this, I'm going to say that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely around high school, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I have an unpopular opinion, and I'm about to say it, and y'all are about to listen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sounds about right, though. Usually middle school, high school, or at least those ages, you know what I mean, is when you start to come into your own identity as a consumer of media and, and having your own opinions, your own beliefs even if they're contrary to what other people around you might be feeling. But for you, what do you think that was? If you had to sort of encapsulate it in a few words, what made you say, you know what? Yeah, I I might have a dissenting opinion, but it's worth sharing. And my voice matters in these sorts of conversations.
1: Hmm. I'd first speak to just maybe feeling fed up with going through that process of, Feeling like my opinion is just being drowned out, like almost like they're not respecting me just because of I have a different opinion from them. So it's like, yeah, like I'm going to maybe speak my mind a little harder or try to uh, enunciate my thoughts a little more clearly and really explain why I have these opinions. I'd say it kind of came about naturally over time and also... Maybe there's something to say about like extracurriculars I was doing at that time. As I think back to specifically my junior year, like I was kind of thrust into more leadership positions. So I wonder if like maybe that had a part in my just overall development, just having to say what I think and be kind of singular in what I'm saying versus like being part of a group.
0: Yeah. Oh, I totally feel that. I think it's natural as you're coming into young adulthood to feel that sort of inner need to carve out your own path and strike out on your own course, which is very relevant to today's movie. So I imagine that you're gonna have a lot of personal attachment to the film. But that's interesting because I think for me, as somebody that is very critical of the media I consume, but also is on some level just like a people pleaser, I I struggle sometimes to have my own distinct, concrete opinion on certain things, especially in media, because I just want to like agree with everybody and make sure I'm not fighting with people and and stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting that you felt like that sort of innate desire to have your own opinion regardless of what other people have to say about it. I am honestly still working on that, so (laughs) kudos to you.
1: That actually just reminded me of something So for the listeners, if this makes the cut, Jalen uh, hung out with me and my friends at a little birthday get-together. One of my friends, Jared, has a pretty loud personality. And we were talking about um, this hypothetical versus between Chris Brown and Justin Timberlake. And in my mind, I know, to me at least, Justin Timberlake is walking out with a dub. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I noticed like when he presented you with that question, you were like, oh, like I think it really is just like up to your taste, like whoever, which artist artists you like better because they are like in somewhat different genres uh, of music and their music is just different. I guess this is, I'm kind of like contradicting myself because I didn't really speak up on it because I wasn't trying to start a fight because me and my friend <laughs> could just argue for a long time and uh, I was trying to just have a nice little party. But yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm always trying to like strike that balance between two things, which I think can be, good in a lot of cases and it allows me to do my job as like an advisor, you know, at the school I work at and it it has its benefits, but this podcast is certainly helping me develop my own voice and and share that. So um, I do appreciate you for being a part of this journey with me. And secondly, I would like to state for the record, I do not support Chris Brown as a person. Uh, or their actions. I just wanted to get that out of the way as well. This is a very anti-Chris Brown podcast. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) with that being said, do you want to get into the movie, Zachary?
1: Yes, let's talk about Treasure Planet.
0: Okay, so let's talk about Treasure Planet. As you may know, if you're a listener, you know that before we get into any of the specifics of the movie or my guests understanding and connection to the movie. I always like to give a basic premise so that folks can orient themselves, especially if they've never seen the movie. So I'll, I'll give you this premise in this science fiction rendering of the classic novel treasure Island. Jim Hawkins is a rebellious teen seen by the world as an aimless slacker. After he receives a map from a dying pirate, He embarks on an odyssey across the universe to find the legendary treasure planet. Now, after I've read that to you, Zachary, what is your read of this synopsis? Does it feel like a holistic view of what the film has to offer? Is there anything that should be added to the summary so that a prospective audience member can really determine for themselves whether they want to watch it? What do you think?
1: I think overall, it's a very good description for the movie. One thing that I might add is maybe just like a couple adjectives. I think use the word Odyssey to describe the overall journey that this movie is. Uh, Maybe just throwing it in like an adjective like heartfelt or like there's some other words of that vein to just describe all of the emotional aspects of this journey as well. Because while this is definitely an adventure story, what like draws me to this movie personally, and I'm sure many others, is the emotional journey that we see our main characters go through.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I I only watched the movie recently. This was not a childhood film for me in the way that it was for you. But I remember thinking that it struck a really good balance between being sort of like this individualistic adventure story as well as this, I guess, to simplify it, like a family oriented, heartfelt movie as well that emphasized both of those sorts of things, which I really admired about the movie. I want to go from there to talking about your personal relationship to the movie, since it seems like this connected to your heart space as well, this movie. So let's talk about that. Tell me how you came upon this movie, if you remember that, and the role that it's played in your life from childhood to where you're at now.
1: So I will start off by saying I definitely don't remember exactly how it came into my life, but I will talk about how it persisted. Um, It came out. I think you already mentioned it came out in 2002, which puts me at approximately a little over two years old when it came out. Um, So yeah, I definitely don't have any recollection of like the first instance or instances that I watched it. But if you ask any of my siblings, like what was the one movie that Zachary was going to watch like any given day? (laughs) It didn't matter how many times he'd watched it the last day, the day before that. uh, What movie was he going to ask to put on the DVD? It was Treasure Planet. This is a movie I watched so, so many times as a child, up to the age of like, I don't know, like six. So that's a good like four years of me always or pretty incessantly wanting to watch this movie. And yeah, I think moving forward as I've like grown up and developed, it persists as just this emotional connection to some feelings that I honestly didn't know that I had for a while and that I'm continuing to grow to understand even today. So it's a movie that definitely means a lot to me.
0: For sure. Before we get too deep into some of the themes and and concepts of the film that resonated most with you, I do think it's important to sort of consider this movie in the context of like other films that were coming out at this time, especially like animated films My audience knows that I generally don't like to do research despite being a sociology major. Like that should be my bag. It's really not. It depends on the way that I do it. Anyways, that's not relevant. (laughs) I did do a little bit of research at your behest and we found that treasure planet is the most expensive traditionally animated film of all time. I'm like, is that still true? That is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh but as I was watching the movie recently it is breathtaking the animation is truly beautiful and I think they they have a really good mix of like traditional 2D animation and then some really captivating I would call it 3D or, or CGI this is not my bag you know for sure mm-hmm. uh but it really caught my attention and it was just a beautiful movie from start to finish I was wondering do you feel like this Is part of the reason why this film has such a lasting impact on you, like the technical aspects as well as the sort of um, thematic elements of the film?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, I think oh, there's so many things I could speak to with this. Uh, Firstly, I just generally very much appreciate animation. I could tell you, like, well, if anyone knows me, uh, you know that I love anime. So, of course, that's a medium that I'm very much looking to like notice these little technical details and see like oh yeah that little shot there that element of this specific frame like oh that's 3d but the rest of this is this traditional like computer 2d animation or like this looks like hand drawn to some extent i love noticing things like that i've loved animation since i was a kid i know a lot of people tend to grow out of that but for me it was something that has stayed with me And yeah, I think as I grow older, especially, I think I get more appreciation as I get to know a little bit more about these different technical aspects to where when I watch Treasure Planet now, I'm like, oh yeah, like this is so ahead of its time in a way where it's using so many different elements all at once, but still making them look kind of seamless with one another, the way they interact. It's amazing for sure. I would also say like, maybe speaking more to myself as a person, to my core, where I have all of these like different opinions and I love to be different (laughs) in different ways. So to see a movie like this where it's using animation just differently, like I just have so much appreciation for that. I have a deep appreciation for art that is willing to, or not willing to, but is decidedly different, purposely different with how it's presenting itself. So yeah, that's definitely part of what I love about Treasure Planet now.
0: You mentioned a little bit ago that animation is typically considered like an art for children to consume and that a lot of people our age and older at some point seem to abandon their love and appreciation for animation they may be able to appreciate it on like a technical level but beyond that even i can critique that about myself i I'm open to animation, but I sometimes buck up against that because it's just like, oh, is this for me? And there's not always that expectation that you can enjoy something that was either traditionally intended for kids or is just animation. But I wanted to ask you and, and not to get too far away from the topic at hand, Treasure Planet, but why do you think you have been able to appreciate animated works like anime or even Treasure Planet up into your adulthood years?
1: One thing I would definitely say along with that, kind of going back to what I said towards the beginning where I feel like the way I consumed media growing up was kind of in a bubble is another way to describe it where I had my family and we had our opinions and we didn't really listen to anything outside our little bubble. And my brothers, they're quite a bit older than me. And to see them, you know, fiending over like watching Avatar, the last airbender at their big age, like to me, that made it seem normal. We're like, oh yeah, I'm going to grow up and still watch animation if it's good like with any type of medium if it's good i'm going to engage with it regardless of like it's target demographic if it's good and i personally can find some enjoyment like i'm gonna be there for it for sure yeah so i definitely would credit my older siblings to just literally showing me that you can be an adult and still enjoy animation
0: that's such a liberating perspective because i feel like especially now with social media there's so many or at least potentially so many eyes on what you are enjoying or engaging with. And so there's a lot more pressure to, I'm trying to think of the right word, not manufacture, but sort of like curate what you're presenting to the world as the things that you like and that you take part in. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's very freeing to just be like, hey, this is what I like. And this has merit to it. You can... Tell people why it has merit if you'd like, but that's not really the point to you. As long as you understand why you like that thing, that TV show, that movie, that music video, that book, whatever, that's what really matters. And, And so I really like your perspective on that. But going back to Treasure Planet, we mentioned how immersive and amazing the animation quality was for that movie. Can you talk to the audience a bit about like whether that was a commercial success, a critical success? Like in your research, what have you found about like whether this huge effort paid off?
1: So to kind of start off with this, I am a math teacher. I'll say that really quick. So I love to look at numbers and this should be pretty straightforward for anyone to understand. The budget for the movie, the amount that they were spending was $140 million going back to how we said this was like the most expensive traditionally animated movie of all time. Off of that budget, they had a return of $38 million. So (laughs) quite simply not a commercial success. There's no way you could uh, twist that around. Yeah, definitely was not a commercial success.
0: And this is a Disney film in particular. So you know that they were certainly not happy with that return. One fascinating thing that I always like to think about around this time was like Disney was sort of, I guess, closing out its Renaissance period, or at least that's what it's dubbed by like media analysts and stuff like that. They deem the time from, I believe, when The Little Mermaid came out in 1989 to, I want to say probably around like when Mulan or Tarzan came out, so around 1999, as the Disney Renaissance. So this sort of resurgence of Disney's power in, in like the animated space, the kids and family entertainment space because prior to that time in 1989 they were having a lot of misses and there's a lot of reasons for that that people who are more educated on the subject have already discussed at length so i'd recommend checking out some videos or other content either on youtube or just on the internet but it's very fascinating and Treasure Planet came out in 2002, but it was in production for quite a while before that, I imagine, since it's so elaborate. Really marked something of an end to that Disney Renaissance period commercially, because it did not perform as well as they had hoped.
1: The critical response, it seems to be kind of like standard, like kids nowadays might say it was somewhat mid based off of these numbers. Some of the... Bigger spaces like Washington Post or a Cinema Score are giving it things like a four out of five or an A minus. There's even some places like Oh Rotten Tomatoes, of course, having a score of six point five out of ten. So yeah, just definitely kind of like middling type of ratings and
0: scores. So like not exceptional, but also not bad. It just sort of is there for for a lot of these publications. It's very interesting that it was coming off of a time where Disney could really do no wrong when it came to their, their output. And then this wasn't the first film that sort of stained that legacy, but it was really one of the biggest hits in a bad way (laughs) for the company. But let's, let's, let's not focus on that too much, because I think that there is a lot of merit to what this movie is putting out, despite what Washington Post or Rotten Tomatoes has to say about it. So I'm hoping to talk more about that with you.
1: That sounds awesome. You know me. I want to say what I want to say, not necessarily (laughs) what everyone else thinks.
0: Amen to that. So the primary character in the film is Jim Hawkins. And like I mentioned in the premise, he's a rebellious teen that is seen by the world as an aimless slacker. And something that I really latched onto from the beginning was this theme of redemption and finding, I guess, finding a way to make up for or atone for maybe the negative consequences that have been accrued based on your actions. So Jim, near the beginning of the movie, is known for sort of getting into little bits of trouble with the law because he's inherently an adventure seeker. He's a bit rebellious, and that can sort of get him into trouble with traditional authority figures. And he lives with his mother. It's noted that his father left at some early age. I don't think they really get into the details of what happened there. He's just kind of not a good guy and and, and abandoned the family when Jim was really young. But it seems like that's had an impact on Jim, and he's lacking some sort of direction. It's caused a lot of stress for his mother because she's the only one there to sort of manage Jim's actions and Jim's emotions and the way that he responds to how he's feeling about things. There's a moment in the film that I'll admit when I was watching, I I teared up a little bit because Jim sets out on this adventure that, that we'll talk about a little bit later in the conversation, but he sets out on this adventure partially as a means to make things up to his mother because of the the stress and the harm and all the things that he put on to her growing up he wanted to prove to her that he was worthy and that he could do something to give back to her after all that she'd given and sacrificed for him it, it certainly made me think of like growing up as a, in a single parent household myself and just wanting to do right by my mom and give something to her After all that she'd given to me, I I wanted to ask you, like, what did you make of that theme of redemption in the movie? Did you relate to it when you were younger and wanting to do right by your family? Does that theme resonate with you differently now as an adult?
1: Yeah, I think, and I won't go into like all the nitty gritty details, but I could definitely see times where I could tell that my parents, whether or not they were explicitly saying it, you could just tell that, oh, they're going through a lot right now. They are in pain to some extent and there is this notion like or this feeling i think as a kid especially at my small age uh, watching this movie for the most part where it's like you feel helpless like there's nothing you can do in order to like help your parents and i wonder if that's how maybe jim felt uh, early on in the movie where it seems like he's aware that his mom is having a hard time for sure and yet he's still you could argue making it harder for her i wonder if those actions kind of come from this place of like i don't know what to do to help So I'm just going to continue my behavior, essentially.
0: Yeah, there's that helplessness, right? It does make you want to lash out a bit, or at least I can imagine as a kid or a teenager that's witnessing that frustration or loss of control that you see in your parents. Like, okay, I don't know what to do, and it's making me frustrated. And this is the way that I know how to express that, maybe by acting out. I could see that in Jim's actions, and really he's responding to the stress and the feelings of anxiety that his mother is clearly expressing, maybe just not in the most productive way.
1: Yeah. And then we see Jim eventually embark on this adventure, like you said, in part to make her proud and even maybe make her logistical situation just improve her life in general. I think as a kid, maybe you don't have that type of understanding of like, what can I do to like get the family money or anything like that? But there is just this inkling of understanding like if i am successful whatever metric that means for you at that time like i can make them happy at least and that's something i definitely felt uh for a large part growing up
0: totally and i know for a fact like where we grew up you know we were okay like we were doing all right i don't think certainly for me i can say i never had to need anything and that that's a huge blessing but it wasn't a situation where we were like so well off to where like we didn't have things that could make life better, or easier. I definitely, even as a kid, knew that there were things that I wanted to accomplish in my life to where I could make those things possible for my mom and for my family at large. And I don't know, I'm still so young, I'm on the road to that, but I'm sure that you can relate on some level of that too, knowing that, okay, if I just accomplish this or if I achieve this, if I become successful in some way, maybe things can be easier and more manageable for the people that I love.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And I think we're going to get into this a little bit more later, but I think it definitely reminds me of my perspective now where I guess, fun fact for the listeners, I'm also an educator. I believe I'm like the third educator on this podcast. (laughs) Um, I "I
0: interview a lot of teachers. Don't know what that's about, but y'all are dope. So,
1: Yeah. And exactly what you just expressed, where you want to be able to essentially give back to your parents. It's like, that's one of my main goals as an educator for my students, uh, especially since I teach in, you may call it a disadvantaged community. So I definitely want for them to be able to grow up and give back to that community, give back to those people that raised them.
0: I mean, I can only imagine that you see that a lot reflected back to you. A lot mm-hmm. of students that their success is not only hinged upon their just innate desire to be great, but also to provide and and support their families. That's a very real desire for people. So yeah, I think that's really cool that even though you're not like a parent or an authority figure in that traditional sense, you're in these classrooms with students and you can see that desire within them. Speaking of authority figures and just other figures that present themselves in your life as you start to live it and get older, I do want to touch on some of the key characters within the film, because we're going to be name dropping them and and talking about them in the context of the themes. So Zachary, would you want to give us like a quick rundown of a few of the main characters that we see throughout?
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. So our secondary character throughout the movie is Long John Silver. So he's a cyborg who kind of takes on this mentorship and almost like a father figure role with our main character, Jim. However, he does end up betraying him and becomes our main antagonist then we have dr delbert doppler who's kind of like this dog-like alien guy but he's such i guess as is suggested by his dog-like appearance he's so sweet kind of gives golden retriever type energy next we have captain amelia who's the captain of the ship has a little bit of, of a subversive moment when she's introduced as you kind of expect the captain to be a man but then it's this very well feminine woman which is awesome Then there's lastly, this robot named Ben, which is actually an acronym for bioelectronic navigation. And yeah, that kind of rounds out our cast.
0: I think at the forefront of the film, at least when I was watching it, the central relationship that moves a lot of the film and, and the themes forward is the relationship between Jim Hawkins and Long John Silver. Would you agree that that's kind of the overarching relationship throughout the film beyond that of Jim and his mother.
1: A hundred percent, yeah, definitely.
0: And, and why do you think that is? Because I, I truly don't think that this movie would be the same without that sort of relationship fostered between Jim and Silver. Why do you think that their relationship is is such a main hinging point for the film as a whole?
1: I think that the relationship between Jim and Silver is so important because the central themes of this movie are that of like mentorship and yearning for some type of connection with another person. Uh, And I think we see these two characters who both embody that. I think you can see that they both do yearn for some type of connection, specifically like a deeper connection, because Silver does have a crew that he goes on his adventures with. But does he have friends? Does he have people to talk to at any type of deeper level? That's not really seen throughout the movie. And we already know Jim's situation with his absentee father and lacking that role model and father figure. I think the way you put it was perfect. Like they push forward those themes throughout the movie with the way that they interact and... The problems that the plot presents to them as well, as they have goals that are in direct opposition to each other. And yet, like we've been saying, they have this mentorship and mentor relationship with one another. Ordinarily, you'd see them supporting each other in their goals. And yet, just the way the plot moves forward, it puts them in direct opposition with one another, which creates so much tension and uh, conflict there.
0: It seems like what you're getting at is that like, it's one thing to have a lot of people around you, and that has its benefits, just not being in pure solitude. But it's a whole other thing to have somebody that you feel like understands you in a really intrinsic, inexplicable sort of way. The hope is that you have or had that relationship with a parent of some kind, you know what I mean? To like understand you in a way that nobody else could. And I think that Jim, in a way, saw that in Silver and vice versa, obviously Silver's older than Jim, so he's not necessarily looking to Jim as a sort of mentor or anything like that. But there's a kindred spirit energy between the two of them. They recognize that adventurous, rebellious aspect of each other's personalities within each other, and it clicks for them pretty quickly. And they go on this really cool adventure before their interests diverge, that I think demonstrates how much they get each other in a really deep way. I think when I was younger, I didn't really, I don't know that I didn't look for a mentor or I just couldn't put it into those sorts of words when I was little, that that's something that I was wanting or that I was looking for, because I'd grown up with my mother and I had an older brother too. And so that's really all that I knew. And I didn't think that anything beyond that was needed. And I don't know exactly where I lie on that to this day, but... As I'm older and I, I serve as an advisor to students on my campus now, I, I really do understand the importance of having a mentor, somebody that has a little bit more life experience and knows more than you and can offer some wisdom and and, and understands your perspective and where you're coming from, what goals you're trying to achieve. So I, I'm curious both as it relates to the film and as your life now as an adult, as a teacher, where does the theme of mentorship show up for you, both as somebody that is a mentor and somebody that is looking to be mentored? Like, what is the significance of that theme in your life and how does that connect to the movie?
1: Well, yeah, I think I think it's pretty clear to see uh, where it may come into play in my uh, career right now. Uh, I, like I mentioned, I'm an educator. Uh, so I feel like it's so often where... I just have so many high hopes for these kids that I'm teaching. For instance, there's one student that in particular that comes to mind when I think about this, where they've explicitly expressed that they feel that they don't have a lot of people supporting them. They feel that if anything, they have people at home expressing doubt to them, expressing that they don't have any hopes for them whatsoever. But I can see like personally, like when I am working with you, like in our class, like I can see like... You're a smart kid and you are capable of doing so many great things. And I just really so strongly want that for them. I definitely see this theme of mentorship. I can see myself kind of in the shoes of Long John Silver in my own personal life. Definitely like early movie Long John Silver, not the whole betrayal arc and (laughs) (laughs) opposition that we see. At least I hope not. Uh, So I definitely see myself there. There's also something that just popped into mind right now as you were kind of talking about that. I was really thinking about my journey in life so far where I felt like I have been just trying to find like people to latch on to in some type of way where, yeah, I think it's just a natural thing where you just want to have someone who just understands you. And the way you put it it was just so beautiful, like this inexplicable understanding for one another. I couldn't help but think about like my best friend, Jared, where it's just like, I feel like we just get each other like a a level of like sense of humor Uh, when we're upset, things like that. It's just natural. We just get it. So I'm just feeling so many feelings of like gratefulness towards the people I have in my life to have that feeling right now. One more thing to add on to that. I think as a kid, especially around the time where I was watching this movie. I definitely saw myself more in gym shoes. And I guess I'll say a disclaimer, like my dad was around. My dad was a great dad. But I think part of the way that he was being a great dad was just he had to go to work a lot to provide for our family. What that meant, and I guess what that sacrifice was for him was that in order to provide like the logistic things, like the finances and things like that, it just meant that he didn't have as much time to spend with us. And so I think I definitely felt that growing up, which maybe led me to seeking these connections with friends or even my siblings for certain stretches of my life?
0: Well, firstly, I think it's so impactful and meaningful to have this black male figure in the classroom. Speaking as a black man myself, I didn't have very many, gosh, I'm trying to think, did I have any at all like black male teachers? I don't think so. There were other people at the school that I would see and, you know, we do the signature head nod and like, you know, we have that moment of acknowledgement. And that was important, too. But I think it's so meaningful that you're helping shape the minds of of this next generation and that you're such a positive influence, at least just from the outside looking in. It, It seems like you're a really good mentor for these kids. And I'm so grateful that they have you. something funny that I wanted to touch on that you mentioned in in your last spiel was that you likened yourself to the earliest iteration of Long John Silver in the film, (laughs) not the latter part. And I, I think it sort of gets to this other side of mentorship and authority figures, parental figures in your life. As I was watching the movie, I was like, firstly, admiring the relationship that Jim and Long John Silver were coming to with one another, I was like, oh, Silver's going to be a great mentor for this kid. Like, they both have this adventurous spirit within them, and he can help Jim sort of hone this skill into something that is productive rather than destructive and harmful to the people that he loves and cares about. And then there's a moment in the film where, like you mentioned, their hopes and their ambitions diverge. They have different ways of approaching the central conflict in the film. And it certainly made me think about how, like, you realize as you get older that not everybody's going to always be worthy of the trust and admiration and respect that you might want to place upon a mentor or, like, an older person in your life. And you just gain, I guess, more discernment just having a more holistic understanding of who these adults are. Because I think when you're younger, you have this more idealistic view of your parents or your teachers, people that you trust, right? Like they can do no wrong and they don't have a single bad intention in their body. They're not driven by any sort of unhealthy desires or ambitions. And you sort of see Jim lose that sort of naivete because on one hand he's very against authority and like people telling him what to do, but he, you see it with Long John Silver. He wants to believe even for a moment that this guy is just good and just wants the best for him and means what he says. Cause Long John Silver says some pretty nice, deeply meaningful things to Jim and about Jim. And so it's very hurtful when he, realizes that maybe some of those things were for show or to further launch John Silver's own agenda. And I say all that long spiel to say, what are your thoughts on sort of growing up and realizing that the relationships you have to these authority figures, these older people in your life and who they are are a lot more complicated than what you may be considered when you were younger.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Like I would almost liken it to that of like seeing my role models and these adults in my life as heroes to some extent i'd liken them to like some of the cartoon characters i used to like to watch like superman like they can do no wrong He's a man of steel they're infallible as you grow up you just realize that yeah like they have their own flaws and i think it's also a general part of maturing where you realize that maybe some of the things they did that hurt you was just them being human and realizing that they are not that superhero that you thought that they were. And it was great that they were able to kind of present themselves like that, like 70, 80% of the time that they were able to do that. But at the end of the day, they are just human, like the same way that you are. As a kid growing up, like you just don't see that. You see yourself as smaller and you see them as like perfect in this type of way. It just takes time to grow up and realize that in a way, like they're more similar to you than you really think. Like they have their own flaws
0: as well. Oh yeah. I especially really latched onto that last bit that you said about them being a lot more similar to you than you think. And it's such an uncomfortable, but also weirdly liberating moment of growing up when you're able to see like, damn, they're just like me for real, like (laughs) in good ways and also not so good ways. Cause you start to have your own complicated life experiences where you're put into really weird situations and you have to make choices that maybe impact other people. And you realize that in a lot of situations, there's not always a choice that you can make that is going to benefit everybody equally. And you may hurt people. And I think that that's something that happens a lot for parents. And as somebody that's not a parent myself, I really can't speak to that all the way, but I can imagine that there are just moments where, I don't know, you you have to let down this person that you created or that you had a part in building and shaping. And that's got to be hard. In the movie, Jim and Long John Silver, or Silver for short, they have a lot of a similar drive and a similar desire to achieve their goals. They have strong motivation. For Silver, I think he's been searching for this legendary treasure planet for a lot of his life. And I think he's put a lot of hope and faith. Into this mission, and I think he's willing to go to great lengths to realize his dream of getting all of that treasure, and then you have Jim, who you know obviously has not had that same like long life to want this, but he's been reading about this treasure planet for his whole life since he was a kid. He sees this as an opportunity to show his mother that he can put some of these skills like that that adventurous side of him into positive use and find this treasure and and maybe use it to better the life of his mother and the people that he cares about. But I imagine for Jim that was kind of shocking and weird if he if he did ever come to a point of realizing how much he and Silver have in common. I'm wondering like have you ever had a moment like that where you look at your parent or you look at Your older brothers or something like that, and you're like, wow, I don't necessarily like this part of you, but I can see it in me, too, in some sort of way.
1: Like, 100%. Going back to that aspect of, like, realizing or developing a greater understanding for the personhood of the adults that we look up to, I think there's also, maybe this is just me, (laughs) this, like, selfish aspect of it, where you expect them to sacrifice so much for you like you don't understand that oh they need to rest like they need to sleep like oh but you want to like hang out and you want to play like there's this thing called self-care like they are trying to practice right now they're like trying to set a boundary and like take care of themselves but you don't realize that at the time like you're too young you're too immature I'm using second person pronouns where obviously I mean to use first person like that was me for sure for a long time I don't think that selfish aspect is super present in the movie, but definitely I think that's a connection that I make where in my own life I am expecting, or I had used to, I don't think I do this anymore too much, um, but I used to kind of expect my parents to be able to let go of anything that they wanted to do and accomplish just for me. And yeah, like it's just so selfish. I don't know any other way to put it. There are some moments throughout the movie to kind of mirror that, where we see Silver have to, or I guess first to kind of just lay it out, the, lay out the plot where Silver wants the planet and the treasure for himself. But of course, Jim wants to take that treasure for himself so he can go back home and help his mom, as you explained earlier, to kind of redeem himself. That's exactly kind of like at odds with what Silver wants. Of course, they both are vying after the treasure for their own very individual goals. And there's this moment towards the end of the movie, just about at the climax where Silver has this choice where he can either hold onto the treasure, and this is also a great feat. Like I just want to take a second to explain. Like he's holding up like an entire like ship just with like his own abs, legs, quads, everything. He's putting his all into just holding this ship up. And then he also sees Jim sliding off like into this pool of I think lava or fire like below him, and so it's very clear that Jim is not going to make it unless silver helps him. but here is his goal on the other side that he's quite literally just barely in reach of in order to maintain this connection he has to let go, so I think that really puts into perspective like kind of the sacrifices that a parent like figure might have to make in order to be that parent that they want to be and to be perfect in that way, uh, in the way that they're expected to. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's that whole thing about like human connection versus that inherent ambition that you have within you. I like that point of reflection that you had where you're like, do you not realize that your parents and these older figures in their lives, they also have dreams and they have goals. Mm -hmm. They have things that they want to accomplish that are totally irrelevant to you. They have nothing to do with you. And as you get older, the hope is that you are able to take a step back and allow those people that love you and care about you and have been caring for you to achieve those as well. But yeah, we we saw Silver have to reckon with that. Do I want to finally have a connection with another being that goes beyond the surface level or goes beyond our desire to reach this treasure or something like that? Mm -hmm. And it's just about us caring for one another and being understanding of each other. I really like that the film took the route of saying, yeah, I want that. And Mm -hmm. Silver ended up letting go of all of that treasure so that he could save Jim. And it puts a really cool light on the whole antagonist angle that they took with Silver, because admittedly, initially, I was like, ah, like, it's kind of cheap. They they made him the villain. And I'm just like, OK, it's not <laughs> how I wanted it to go. Uh-huh. But I, I think it was a very satisfying conclusion, the way that they allowed Silver in a way to also redeem himself, which is what Jim was looking for. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of the film, spoilers, sorry, it's still a great movie to watch. But mm-hmm. at the end of the film, Silver is very seriously facing like prison charges (laughs) because he's done a lot of bad things to get to this goal of, of finding this treasure. And in that moment, Jim could turn him in, but he ultimately decides to let Silver roam free and do the thing that he's always wanted to do. Beyond all the treasure and the material things, Silver also loves to travel and explore and go places that he's never been before. And it was just a real display of grace and understanding and maturity from Jim to see that this person that he cares about and that he looks up to in a way is human. And while he does deserve to sort of pay for his actions in some way, he loved him enough to let him go free. He was able to understand where some of those actions were coming from I just really admire that. What do you think?
1: I was going to say that I feel like that directly connects to what I was saying with this idea of like maturing to understand like some of the mistakes that adults might make is in the process of their pursuits for their endeavors, all these things that they want to accomplish in their own life. And of course, I guess I kind of want to put a disclaimer out there. Like it's hard to make these exact parallels between things that we experience versus like this epic sci-fi fantasy adventure that they go on where of course like silver is a murderer (laughs) like uh, yeah yeah, there's some terrible things that he done that i think don't obviously do not equate to things that happen in our lives hopefully
0: not mine mine. (laughs) (laughs) okay cool
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah the stakes aren't as cartoonish of course uh as they are there but Yeah, like there's just that direct parallel with what we're talking about as a kid maturing to understand and kind of forgive our parents for some of the things that they may have done to us that hurt our feelings at the time.
0: That's lovely. I think that shows maturity in both of us. At least that's the hope that we've we've matured at that point. (laughs) Now, we've talked a lot about some of the core themes of the film and why those resonated with you so much. But I'm also interested in zooming out and talking about the world that is depicted in this film, because I think that's also a really integral part of why this story works, like the backdrop that is used to tell this story. So talk to me about that. Do you feel like the sort of backdrop that's created does a good job of Complementing the the very human grounded story that's being told, did it captivate you when you were younger, as well as now watching the movie back as an adult? Talk to me about what you see visually when watching the film.
1: Yeah, I think the film definitely has a lot of things that are easy to latch on to, regardless of like how old you are. We already talked about like some of the more technical things that I think just make it such a spectacle to see, with its different animation styles and things like that. I also think that especially as a child where you're so full of curiosity and wonder for this adventure to be set out in like space which is like at some point in every kid's life like that's like the coolest thing ever it's like oh this kid they say they want to be an astronaut oh they're automatically like the cool kid like if they said that in class you know what i mean so i think just the setting of it being in outer space gives it the sense of wonder i think i even took note of like I guess this isn't so much a visual thing, but like the narrator's voice, making it feel like this epic story with so much gravitas. It just feels like such an awesome adventure, uh, which is something I definitely appreciated as a child. And I think that's definitely what I latched on to in the movie, or one thing that I latched on to. In addition to that, though, the visual style of the movie, a lot of it looks very old timey, like not like medieval, like a little later than medieval, but like
0: like Victorian vibes low-key or i don't know how to explain it either I, i'm not a historian but i i get what you're saying it's like 17 1800s
1: Yeah, F- like american revolution type <laughs> i don't really know
0: yeah I mean, yeah bear with us guys
1: you could maybe even describe it as being like what's steampunk in a way where it's like old-timey but also of course it's very sci-fi like there's so many different scientific advancements that are present in this type of universe that they've crafted for this movie like for example we mentioned the ship the ship looks like an old-time ship but the sails are made out of like solar-powered panels that will propel them forward there's also like jet boosters on the back that are thrusting them through space and overall i think putting in that old timey type of style lends a sense of like warmth and home while at the same time you're going on this grand adventure which is like the antithesis of home in a way there's so much like nuance with that there's a great uh, dichotomy between these two things there
0: yeah a word that you'd use to describe the world when we were like in the preparation phase for this episode was retrofuturist which i don't know if that's a A coined term or something like that. If it's not, please cash in on that. I just think it's a really cool way to describe something. But what you were getting at is that there's this convergence between like the old and the new. And I feel like that's, you know, the familiar and the unfamiliar. That's a theme that kind of goes through all aspects of the film, even thinking about Silver and Jim, going back to them. Like there's this older guy, older way of doing things met with this newer perspective on what it means to be an explorer, an adventurer. We see those characters, as well as the film in general, contend with like old world charm, as well as new explorations and the unknown, the unfamiliar. And I thought that that was really cool.
1: To add on to that a little bit, um, part of the, I think I was trying to say aesthetic earlier, part of the aesthetic that really grabs me and like is a consistent thing that will always grab me in any piece of media is when there is some type of like ancient civilization it's like kind of abandoned it's been overrun with all these greenery and grass and there's just moss everywhere but underneath all of that is like the super advanced technology things like that it just always grabs me i can't even really explain why just yet it's just this type of aesthetic it invokes that sense of adventure where it's like you've discovered something amazing here that's been left behind for a while. But yes, that aesthetic that is present specifically towards the end when they actually do reach Treasure Planet just grabs me and has always grabbed me uh, in any form of media.
0: I mean, that vaguely reminds me of what I always hear when, not to be morbid, but, you know, in talks of like global warming and climate change and like... The inevitable impact that humans are making on the planet i think there's this doomist perspective of like oh my gosh we're killing the earth and like Mm -hmm. it'll never be the same what i hear a lot is like oh no the earth will be the earth will be fine it will assume dominion over itself Mm -hmm. long after humans are gone you know if Mm -hmm. that's the future we continue to pursue which is on one hand unfortunate but Yeah, it speaks to that whole idea of, like, plants will take over all these buildings and all these things that that we've established as human creations. And there is something sort of fascinating about that. Like, we are only here for a moment, and the Earth will be good. Speaking, though, about the the aesthetic and the whole old versus new thing, what I like, too, uh, one little tidbit, the ship that they're on is called Legacy. Like you see Jim really wanting to carry on the legacy of his mother because he wants to find the treasure and allow his mother to rebuild her restaurant and continue on her own legacy in that way. But it seems too like he wants to strike out on his own and create his own legacy that will be remembered and that will be important He wants to write a new story for himself, one that isn't rooted in him getting into trouble or being a nuisance for his mother. And that was a really powerful theme to me. I think it connects to what we were talking about earlier, about just wanting to create something of value for the people that you love and just wanting to be remembered. I can say for sure, like, maybe this is the ego part of me talking, but I really just want People to know me for something good that I've done, whether that be professionally or personally, remembering me as a good person that did good works and had the best of intentions, even if those weren't always realized. What do you what do you think about that? Just this idea of creating a name for yourself in some respect and leaving something for the people that come after you to remember you by and to take forward even after you're gone.
1: I think that's a great connection to make with this movie. I feel like it almost connects to Jim's rebellious kind of disposition, where he sees everyone's expectations of him, and he sees the doubt, he hears it. When he's presented with this amazing opportunity, he wants to use that as his way of changing the story that's being written about him. Essentially saying, all this so far is just the prologue of all of the awesome things I'm about to do. Really picking up that opportunity to do that, and writing his own story in that way.
0: And that's a big part of growing up, right? Learning that really the only person that's going to be creating your story primarily is going to be you. People are going to have an impact on it and they're going to make their mark. But really, we have so much agency, especially as we grow up in telling our own stories and deciding what gets put in and what gets put out by virtue of our actions. And what I liked about the film and Jim's realization of that fact is that he goes from being somebody that just overall didn't appreciate authority or, or like older figures in his life trying to guide him and tell him what to do. He went from just like sort of not appreciating that at all to realizing that maybe these people are saying something of value in some cases, you know, like his mother or even Silver or Delpert or what's his name? Shoot. Delbert. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like realizing that maybe there is something of merit, of value in what they're saying, but nonetheless, you still have to be the one that guides your own ship and Mm -hmm. that chooses the way that you go and do that with honor and with respect for the people that have gotten you to that point, but do it nonetheless. I've certainly been caught up in that in the past where it's like, okay, maybe the way of honoring this person that has cared for me from the time I was young is to like just do what they say. And I, I think ultimately that's a disservice to the people that have reared you and to who you are today. You have to take what they've taught you and then choose your own path. And I think in the long run, the hope is that they would be more proud of you for doing that And it seems like at the end, Jim's mom is very proud of him for sticking to his guns and choosing his own path, his own way of living. And I don't think that she would have chosen that for him. But I I think she's even more proud of, of who he's become because he made that decision on his own. How do you feel about all that?
1: I think we see Jim definitely come to understand so much more. I think he mentioned a point of where he comes to respect people or respect authority a lot more towards the end. And that's extremely demonstrative by the point that he becomes like an officer of some sort. I don't know if it's like a police officer or a military officer or what, but he has some type of authority himself by the end of the movie. Uh, so that is like an implicit or even explicit show that he does value authority for like what it is in and of itself. And I wonder kind of just extrapolating. I wonder if he is like purposefully like, wants to be some type of mentor towards other young folk like he had himself finally gotten with silver by the end of the movie.
0: Well, yeah, because I think he realized that the need for a mentor, the need for somebody to look up to and admire isn't necessarily just to like blindly admire this person and just like take everything that they say for fact and like use that as your central guiding force for your own life. But to give you another perspective that is colored with wisdom and experience and, Mm. you know, just like something different, something outside of yourself that can inform your own perspective. So I think that that gave him a new respect for like authority figures and, and people in his life that are trying to guide him. He knows that if he does serve as an authority figure or as a mentor to somebody else in the future. I don't think his hope is that he is just blindly followed and believed, but that he can offer something to that younger person, something to think about, something to help shape them and allow them to create their own path, too. It was it was nice to see him develop a more holistic understanding of what it means to be an older figure in somebody's life, um, and that you can't look to that person for all of the things that are going to shape you into who you are. Ultimately, you grow up and you have to look inward to find those last pieces of of what makes you an individual.
1: I was going to say, I really like what you said about him kind of getting a more holistic view and putting pieces together. Amongst my little bit of research I did on the movie and this franchise, I explored other iterations of it from the prequels. But there's also one additional piece of media that comes after this movie which is like some Hmm. random little like computer game they put out based off of the movie. But it's kind of like a sequel. (laughs) So in this video game, it's like you play as Jim, who is now like a military officer or something like that. He may end up having another run in against Silver now on the side of the law. Um, And I only bring this up just to kind of further this point of him being more holistic and kind of understanding there's a lot of different pieces to being an adult and going through life. And I guess the connection I want to make is that now he's gained an appreciation for authority, but in his life moving forward, it's not like he's just putting aside his yearning for adventure and going out. Like he is still going on adventures just now for a purely good versus like where you see in the beginning of the movie, like he's riding his like hoverboard, like breaking government property probably just for the sake of like doing it because it's kind of fun. Like, no, he can do amazing things and put his skills to use for a purely good cause.
0: Yeah. I I think I, I noticed that too, like at the beginning of the movie, he lacked a cause for why that authority or, or why those rules were set into place. And I can understand that like a lot of laws sometimes just feel super arbitrary and you're like, okay, why is this a thing? You know what I mean? But him striking out on this journey of like finding treasure planet and having a pure motivation of wanting to make the life of his mother easier, I think gave him a foundation and like a more pure motivation for seeking out that adventure. And I think that that directly led to his eventual career path as like you were saying, some sort of officer or something like that, where he gets to channel that adventurous spirit into something that doesn't directly harm Mm -hmm. the people that he cares about. And, And I thought that that was a really cool, Evolution of that spirit within him. All right. Well, as we start to wrap up the interview portion of of this episode, of course, I, I've got to thank you exponentially, Zachary, for coming on this show and having this conversation with me, especially about some themes that I think are really personal to both of us and can be emotional at times. I appreciate you for coming on and. Yeah, just just um, just doing this with me and being open and transparent about your experiences and your relationship to the film. But as we wrap things up, I want to ask you, are there any sort of last takeaways or or sentiments about the film that you'd be remiss to not share?
1: Uh, How could I talk about my favorite movie without talking about my favorite scene? Um, of course so <laughs> for our audience there's this scene towards the middle of the movie it gives you kind of a flashback about jim's experience with his father as we mentioned who ends up being an absentee father contrastingly we have this juxtaposition of him building these great experiences and great memories with silver on the boat before silver ends up betraying him this scene overall with all the music and everything creates this amazing microcosm for a lot of what we've been talking about in today's episode where we get to see essentially like all these different sides of what a human and what an adult can be where we see that an adult can be a failure in some respects as we see that through flashbacks with jim and his dad his dad just failing to be there for him in the way that jim needs and then through this montage of all these very heartwarming clips between jim and silver we see how much a mentor can be to a person, just simply having someone that, as we have said, like understands you and just gets you and spends time with you, how important that can be. However, though, people are just so well-rounded. That's like the overall thing that I'm taking away from this. There's so many different sides to what a person is. Nobody is going to be perfect. Uh, and we see that directly after this scene with all the music and everything. One of Silver's associates ends up killing the vice captain of the ship. Of course, we know later on in the movie, Silver betrays Jim, and by the end of the movie, we see Jim having succeeded in bringing some type of treasure back, and essentially redeemed himself. After that, he has this moment with Silver as he's watching him pack up and leave where you can imagine as the viewer of this movie that Jim could do something to like call the cops over like arrest this man right here because again Silver is a criminal and he has done some pretty heinous things even to Jim specifically and yet he lets him go and I think that ends up showing that Jim sees him as the complete set of the things he's done he doesn't see him as just the mistakes and he doesn't see him as just those happy fun memories that they had. He sees him as his whole personhood. And I think that is so much of what it means to grow up and develop and become mature, to become an adult ourselves. I think I said this already, but like disclaimer, obviously, like it's a little different. It's a cartoon. Like, yes, Silver was like a murderer. (laughs) And maybe like that's not the thing to balance against like happy memories you have with someone. But like, I think that is the message that I am taking from the whole movie in itself.
0: I think that's really lovely. And I think you're spot on that a big part of becoming a complicated human yourself is acknowledging that everybody else is exactly that same way. I think we can get locked up in our heads and be like, I'm the only person that has these rich complicated histories and thoughts and ways of seeing things and it's like no you're just not in everybody else's head so you don't have that same insight into all of the complicated stuff that's going on for them but i think that's like probably the greatest gift that you can give to somebody else is that understanding of like even though i don't know all that maybe goes into being who you are i know that there is a lot that does go into you know who you are at this point in your life and giving grace where you can, giving understanding when you can, because you're going to need it too, whether you know it or not. There's going to be somebody that looks to you, and you might make a mistake. You might falter, and you're going to want that person to see you holistically. I, I think that's a lovely takeaway for this film, Zachary, and I think that that's something that I will be reflecting on myself. Thank you for exposing me to this film. I never have seen it and i don't know that i would have seen it anytime soon without you prompting me to do so so thank you for sharing it with me it's amazing and i I really do hope that the folks that are listening will choose to check it out someday because it's pretty great
1: always happy to spread the good (laughs) word.
0: amen my brother (laughs) (laughs) all right well with that being said we are hopping right into ad break so stay tuned Okay, welcome back to Retrospection Connection and specifically to Ad Break. You know how it goes by this point. If you're an avid RC listener, I'm going to ask Zachary a few questions to get a sense for how he feels about both himself as well as a few things in popular culture and popular media. So with that being said, Zachary, are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. Question one, something light, something cool. What's something you're doing for yourself that's making you feel like a kid again? I think,
1: and I guess it's kind of funny to bring this up on this podcast specifically, I think just like the amount, the quantity of of media I'm like engaging with this last few weeks, particularly there's this manga I started reading called Kingdom, would definitely recommend uh, if you are into like military type stories or things like that. I can vividly remember. I think some of my fondest memories in my childhood are just like, man, this is kind of sad to say. (laughs) but Some of my fondest memories are just like me sitting at the family computer, scrolling through like hundreds of chapters of manga, whether it was Pokemon Adventures or if it was Naruto. So now to like finally find myself with the time, just away from like other responsibilities to just be able to just what's the word wholeheartedly engage with these things this manga has been so fun and so um, relieving it might be another word to say
0: yeah oh man I think that's so cool and I don't think it's what was the word that you used was it embarrassing or sad I was like no not sad <laughs> at all I think that that's one of the greatest parts of being an adult is if you know when you're willing to engage with your inner child is like doing the things that you wanted to do as a kid But with the agency that you have now, like, you know what I mean? You have a day off work. Yeah. What if I want to spend the whole day reading manga? Because that's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. And my mom told me to get off the computer. So I couldn't do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's a different relationship that you're able to have to it now. So I don't think it's sad at all. And if anything, I think it's really cool and, and relieving, like you said, to be able to like address your inner child in, in a way that you maybe haven't been able to for a good while. Kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty. Question two. What's a lesson outside of Treasure Planet that you've learned from media that you're, you're grateful to have gotten?
1: I'm really thinking about this. So I think a lesson that I took from actually kingdom just recently uh, is just about the worth and the meaning of being a good person very generally Um, so like i mentioned kingdom is a story it's kind of a military type story it kind of follows one character who starts out as like actually a slave and has these aspirations of becoming a great general and right now where i'm reading he's kind of like a commander a brigadier commander so he's the rank just below general he's just about there but this man who is currently a general. What we eventually see in this war, to great effect, to great success, he just uses some very heinous methods of uh, winning these wars, where he will maim and commit terrible acts against uh, civilians, people who are not involved in the war. It's just in such direct contrast to our main character, who, of course, as like per shown in anime conventions, is like, this great person, he would never do st- that type of thing. He's just like a ball of sunshine inside, to some level. And... One of his soldiers was actually kind of conscripted into that other general's army and it was found out that he had taken like maybe like a bracelet off of like one of the civilians bodies to our main character that's like completely unacceptable behavior and he goes on to kind of go in on his soldier telling him like the fact that you can do something bad is what makes doing something good like meaningful the fact that it is like a personal individual choice when it was so easy to do the wrong thing. The ease of doing the wrong thing is what makes doing the right thing so meaningful. Uh, And that's something I'm trying to hold on to more and more.
0: Wow. I don't want to say I've never thought about it that way because maybe I have. I'm a pretty insightful person, so who knows? (laughs) 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 But I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I think I'd like to keep that in mind too. So much of the quote-unquote bad things that you can do are really accessible and and it makes it all the more tough and frustrating to decide to do the thing that helps other people or helps yourself you know like I think about that in the context of self-care it's so much easier to just press a few buttons and and order takeout one more day mm-hmm. than it is to like pull out all of the ingredients and like pull out the vegetables and like create your own meal that's something that i reckon with a lot and it's like i struggle with it but like it's harder sometimes to do the right thing but that doesn't mean that it's not the thing you should do in general so i I definitely agree with that all right final question you got one more in you i do okay what's something that you would tell your younger self whether that be the version of you that was watching treasure planet for the first time or another time in in your earlier life, what do they need to hear right now?
1: One thing that I'd like to tell myself or a younger version of myself uh, is that, and this is going to sound kind of foolish. Like why would you need to tell someone that? But like, it's okay to plan. It's okay to like have a good plan and let things go according to plan. I think I've kind of painted the picture of myself where I think you can see I'm the type of person that likes to go off script and I really value that and I love adventure and things going unplanned and kind of being spontaneous. So if there is one thing I could go back and kind of just modify about myself, maybe it's like it's perfectly fine to just make a good plan and you can find joy in things going to plan the same way that you find joy in things just kind of working out in a spontaneous way.
0: Oh, I love that. And I don't know about you, but I I found that it's actually kind of freeing and liberating to create a plan and what I've found is that there's like always going to be unforeseen variables that come in to a certain situation that allow you to still channel that adventurous energy and like the uh, you know exploring and experiencing the unknown that's inevitable like there's always going to be things that you didn't consider that come into play whatever you're dealing with so it's okay to have a plan And then indulge in those moments where things maybe don't go to plan. You know what I mean? So like, I I think there's a place where you can reconcile those two things. And I think it's gotten you to where you're at now where, you know, the value of having a plan for your life. And yeah, I, I think that's really lovely. And I think a lot of our younger selves could hear something like that and think it's worthwhile. With all of that being said, I appreciate you endlessly once again, Zachary for coming on the show and, um, I, I hope to have you on again. I think you have a really keen eye for media analysis and taking your thoughts and articulating them in a really cool way. I think it's perfectly suited to being a teacher, an educator, like you are. And I'm, I'm just glad that you found that career path because it feels like something that you're meant to be doing.
1: Those words mean so much to hear from you. I very much appreciate and admire the work you're doing here on this podcast you've talked about how it's a way to like connect with others and as an educator that's like the core of what i appreciate in life so yeah i think you're doing great work as well thank you for having me on
0: of course all right my man well i hope you have a great rest of your day and um i hope we keep reconnecting
1: for sure let's go hiking soon (laughs)
0: let's go hiking please let's do it yeah all righty i'll talk to you later man yeah bye